0: a DJ today that's putting these nice sounds out there. That music is kind of hard not to want to let's keep listening to it. Uh, Today (laughs) we have the America's Heroes Group Roundtable with a partner and sponsor National Nurses United. Uh, Today is Saturday, February 19th, 2022. February's Black History and American Heart Month, take care of your heart and the hearts of the loved ones you have. Uh, It's not too far from Valentine's Day, so make sure you go for that checkup for the heart and make it a regular routine. Uh, America's Heroes Group Roundtable with Partner National Nurses United um, has uh, a person that is really special for us, so we'll uh, introduce her in a moment. But you can also follow, you know, join us on streaming live on Facebook, Uh, like and share as much as you can. Uh, But we have our host, Cliff Kelly. Um, I am his co-host, Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold. The executive producer is Glenda Smith. And our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Production. So today we have Adelina Marshall, a VA mental health nurse. And she is an RN extraordinaire. She has been taking care of our veterans for several decades and she knows uh, what our veterans need and has really been compassionate and empathetic in making sure that people are uh, getting taken care of, gone over the duty with doing extra hours uh, on our own time to make sure our veterans are taken care of. Uh, we have to say we are blessed to have her taking care of us. Today's discussion is the disparities of blacks in nursing. And this is something that we can, you know, You know, automatically see as we go into hospitals and many different uh, entities and, you know, uh, in many different settings, the private sector. Uh, And in the VA, it's really uh, astounding that we don't have as many people represented in the healthcare uh, field, in uh, both medicine and in nursing, and even our transporters and uh, people who are uh, working in the X ray equipment and that kind of thing. But uh, today we're going to be focusing on blacks in nursing. So it is so, uh, such an honor to have you on, Adelina. Uh, I'm going to lean Thank back and listen hard. to all the stuff you had to say because you're always a wealth of information.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. And what a, a great program that uh, I Radio American Heroes offer for our, our uh, listening public and our veterans. So we want to talk about disparity in nursing. And uh, when you look back at the history of nursing, uh, many of the nurses um, end up uh, in the military, actually, who where they start getting their first chance. But many of the schools, um, for from the 1800s on, have refused to admit um, blacks into their nursing program. And Provident was one of the um, training schools developed here in the Chicago area to educate doc- black doctors and nurses, and also to care for uh, health care of, uh, black, uh, black public at that time. So going forward, we're still really experiencing some of the same issues. Um, many of the schools, um, the programs are limited seating due to educators not having enough nurses to teach nurses. But also one of the, um, most, I guess, disturbing area is the fact that, there are hospitals that will not hire registered nurses, uh, will not hire them who have associate degrees. And those same nurses take the same boards as a nurse who has a bachelor's or master's degree. They take the same boards. But they don't want to hire them. And it appears that many of our nurses, our veterans too, enter the nursing program at that level of the junior colleges. They produce very good nurses. We need bedside nurses, nurses who tend to get more advanced degrees, want to go into management, into teaching, um, many other fields that have opened up for nurses. And I do believe that the associate degree nurse will be the ones that end up staying at the bedside to deliver that care. And with many of our population now aging, the baby boomers will be needing more uh, health care services. We need bedside nurses. I feel also that they're not hiring uh, nurses who have associate degrees because it tends to be minority nurses who will start an associate de- degree program. Mm-hmm. I do know nurses who started nurse- an associate degree and they went on to get their doctorate but that was their entry into nursing, into becoming an RN. And most of those are um, decent-paying jobs at the beginning, and it helps people get a step up, and then they can continue their education uh, once they're hired. Uh, Most of the hiring, they want to look at your experience. They don't really look at your education. They look at what experience you're bringing to the table, which is, you know, very important. You you can have a nurse who is highly educated, who never doing her educational um, doing her education travels. I'll say, going from one school to another, and never even did bedside care, never did patient care. Because many times they'll go from their bachelor's straight into a master's, and when they want to become an NP, and they never even touched a patient. Wow! So. Your experience is, is very important. And we have nurses who go into associate degree who have already been health techs and LPNs. And so they know all the basics of nursing. The uh, associate degree then gives them some of the advanced skill sets that they need.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: and mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I have advocated for hiring of associate degree nurses. And I think sometimes also when you're looking at some of the ads that are out now and recruiting nurses, they don't have many nurses who look like me in those ads. Mm-hmm. They don't have many nurses that look like the population that we serve in those ads. Right. So that tends to send a negative connotation.
0: Yeah, and that, many yeah, of, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, and when you're saying that, it sort of makes me think about, You know, um, there's so many um, um, African-American hospitals that have closed, you know, over the last 10, 15 years, and uh, that the opportunities for us to, you know, get those residencies, to get those um, nursing positions where you get the training are, you know, dwindling um, and and are being really co-opted. They're being controlled by, you know, by those institutions, and they're not allowing uh, people who have the cultural competency and do not have the uh, implicit bias in the way that they conduct themselves uh, from getting those positions. And so y- if you want to save some money, hire someone who already has the cultural competency and has a, you know, an image, like you're saying, of those people that are out there serving within those communities.
1: Right. Our um, veterans, many of uh, veterans who come into the medical field, They've started off um, in the Army and other um, departments of the military as medics and stuff, and then they'll go into nursing. And so, again, the associate degree offers them uh, the earliest entry into the um, the nursing field. So when they're denied that, our veterans are being denied, our minorities are being denied, when the hospitals won't hire them. So some nurses get very um, stressed. I'm, I've been in situations and I thought, wow, I've never been able, to literally, think about this, to go to a job place and know that I'm going to get the job because of the color of my skin. And the same thing in nurse. But there are others who can decide exactly where they want to go work, and they're hired there. Mm-hmm. For many of us, we're hired we're hired at hospitals that hopefully will hire us. We don't get to choose where we're going to work. Mm-hmm. We're placed there because that's the work that we can get. But I have seen and talked to many nurses who are not minorities, and they'll say, well, I'm going to go here, and I'm going to go there, and they absolutely do get a job there. Not because their qualifications are any different than mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because they're a better nursed than I am, but basically due to color of their skin.
0: This is, that's shameful, you know. And uh, even when you talk about people who are, um, you know, within the veteran population, right, who are in the medical field as well, uh, that prob- you know, this, that's the same kind of obstacle they face as well, you know, in getting uh, employment. And it's something that is just... Um, critically wrong it, it, it is um you know this is african-american history month and we talk about martin Luther king he talks about you know the content of one's character how can you call yourself uh this great um you know people who have never served will run down the street with flags and you know all the different celebrations fourth of july and veterans day and those kinds of things and it's good to see that support for the military but you know if, if they've never served how, how can you um you know, pr- portray yourself as, uh, you know, defending a democracy and all these principles we have that are constitutionally embedded, and you still uh, practice uh, discriminatory hiring practices. Your, your business is not uh, opening up in, in a medical field, particularly, uh, that you're not going to be hiring people uh, because of their skin color. That is just okay. uh, absolutely sinful.
1: And with the critical shortages all over, actually all over the world, of medical staff and especially of nurses, um, for them to still practice this is really um, an affront to the patient. Um, There are a few patients who may have an objection to people of color caring for them, but overall I've never experience a patient who was in life that did not want the comfort and the care that a nurse would provide to them during this period of time. It didn't matter, you know, what their color of their skin is, Uh, but as in the hiring process, it matters. At the bedside, it doesn't matter.
0: Right, right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I had that same experience, too, you know with uh, practicing medicine Um, you know uh, one one of the things I used to say because I used to run the the, the Illinois Department of Public Health back in 2007 to to 11 and uh, people would walk in and they say this is my first day you know what should I do you know what's the first thing I should do and I would tell them I want you to take you know one of these imaginary push pins off of my uh, board that I had on on the wall and uh, what I want them to do is to, to figuratively hold it in their hand and to erase the color, the kind of clothes they think that pen has on, <laughs> you know, what kind of music mm-hmm. it likes, what, what it likes to eat, uh, you know, um, what uh, what its ethnicity is, uh, everything about the gender, you know, uh, remove everything. And then realize, open your hand and realize you have a human life in your hand. And if you can't do that, the first step you should do is to walk out the door. This is the wrong place for you. So as administrators and people who are owning businesses who are making these decisions, about who to hire if you are still doing that with a discriminatory practice or you need to walk out the office and leave it alone this is not the place for you it's, it's you're an ethically and morally and it's characterized the wrong kind of person for that job so uh that's you know that's a statement i have to make just in general about you know the hiring practices in the medical field
1: yeah, that's uh, very good i'm uh, i'm going to use that uh other thing came to my mind while you were talking about that is also promotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have oh. a practice of our proficiency, and we've been just even recently talking about that, how it needs to be changed, because it's part of the systemic racism. So we get nurses who, um, you know, English is not their first language, and we have many American-born blacks who are not prolific writers. Mm -hmm. And therefore, they're passed over for even getting a bonus for work that they've been doing the whole year that that they should be acknowledged. Mm -hmm. But if you don't capture every single thing and put it on there, uh, people who have someone to write that proficiency for them, then they may get promoted while others will be there for years and wonder, why not me? And... Part of that is to, to hold people back, mm-hmm. and I've, I've seen it, and it has been um, a sticking point with me to the fact that we were just recently talking with the union about offering training uh, for our nurses and help them to write this proficiency. This proficiency does not judge you on your abilities. It's not judging you on the care that you've developed and have provided for our veterans. Mm-hmm. It really just judges you on how you're writing, how that manager may or may not like you. And many times they don't like the black nurse because we're an advocate. We're vocal. We're going to like, no, no, this isn't right. What else can we do? And so that proficiency gives them the ability to discriminate in that way. Mm-hmm. It's systemic. And, and you know, it's hard for management to see this because nobody is breaking it down to them. But how do you have a nurse who's been there for 10 years and can't never seem to move from a nurse one to a nurse two or a three? Mm-hmm. Um, why? Why? They come to work, they do an excellent job. Their patients are recovering. Many of the patients love them because we get a lot of patients, same patients all the time. They look forward to coming to to the VA because they know of the care that we're going to provide them.
0: That's right. You know, and
1: see those, you know and
0: that, that implicit bias causes uh, blind spots because you don't yeah. see things. And, you, you know, and that's one of the things that people have to realize is that this is, um, it's almost like a disease process, um, in that it actually affects the, your brain and the way you think when you see someone of color. Uh, you, you know, if you're already automatically putting them into a position that they are of lesser quality, you have a problem. Because, you know, uh, there are many people uh, who are of high quality um, that. Uh, We know about in history and we know about that uh, work every day, like you said, that are doing a a wonderful job. And so mm
1: I had a manager when I challenged him about his hiring practice and he said, you want me to hire the best, don't you, for the veterans? And I said, well, how would you know if you're hiring the best if you're only hiring, uh, you know, a a certain um, ethnicity of nurses? How do you know that?
0: Oh, well, you know, you just opened oh. a can of worms for me because <laughs> when they were talking about hire you know, getting the next Supreme Court justice, right, African-American woman, right, yeah. and they were saying, uh, well, you know, you have to look at all the candidates. And, and, and my question today is because you have to make sure you get the best qualified one, right? And uh, the thing right. that came to my it mind worked. was in the past when you were taking all the white men to, to fill this role, you never looked at a black woman or a black man or an Asian man that maybe – they were better than the ones you had. So right. maybe these or Supreme or Court justices or were or second rate, <laughs> but you yeah. never even right. considered them.
1: Right. So, <laughs> so now you want to consider them. things. <laughs> yeah. So there were departments that did not have um, staff of um, different um, skin tones, and we, we challenged them. And that's one thing about a union, uh, we look at everybody as the same. So if you can't see me, how do you see what I do? How do you see the delivery of care that I deliver? How do you see the classes that I've taken to improve my delivery of care, to improve my education? If you don't see me, you're not going to see all of those things. And that impacts my pocket because if if you're not seeing that and it's not being on my proficiency and you're not giving credit for that on the proficiency – then you are also impacting my livelihood and the livelihood of my family.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I've gone to different, you know, situations and, you know, uh, different VAs, um, you know, know, around the country where, you know, I had to, you know, seek a little bit of care because of, um, you know, I was in the military 26 years, and then I was looking around. It's like, you know, uh, you know, in my unit we had, you know, uh, a significant African-American presence. And then I would go into the hospital, and it's like, where did they go? (laughs) Because (laughs) I didn't see anyone of color in in those hospitals or in nursing or in medicine or in X-ray or anywhere. (laughs) And uh, I I was really uh, shocked and surprised at that. Um, So you
1: want to say the education level on a – at a junior college level, is any different than any place else because you get the same professors. The same professors that are teaching over the University of Illinois will be teaching over at uh, Malcolm X or hmm. DuPage College. You, you're getting the same professors. The only thing is you don't have – when you graduate, you don't have that advanced degree. You haven't taken the liberal arts classes. But I don't get many patients – who want to talk to me about Picasso and uh, <laughs> you know, other artists and philosophy and things like that? They want to talk, want me to know about their health care, and I have to educate them on their health care so that when they leave, they will have more insight and be able to care for themselves in a different light, to eat better, to to exercise to look for these signs and symptoms if you know if you need us please come back come back early don't come back late come back early so that we can intervene at an earlier point in this disease process
0: okay yeah we only have about 3 minutes to go but you know particularly in the mental health arena that you're in Um, How how do you see this impacting that particular issue? Because many of our veterans, you know, feel, um, you know, estranged when they walk in. And, you know, if you're African-American and you don't see someone that recognizes who you are, may already have biases or implicit biases about what you're saying to them, you know.
1: (laughs) So some of our mental health issues are impacted differently because of communities and uh, poverty and many other things that, not to say that don't exist in other communities, but I have to be able to relate to my patient. I have to be able to talk to him or her. Mm -hmm. They have to be able to feel connected to me. Sometimes I can connect with them over a temptation song or, you know, a food item that we generally like to eat. And, you know, we could talk about how to, you know, make our greens and stuff healthier. Oh, you have so, life
0: experiences,
1: so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, life experiences, and if we have staff who cannot relate to them, well, what are we doing? We're we're just medicating them. We're not getting to the core of some of their concerns and how to provide them with more better coping skills. You know, if this happened. How to say no? How, how, there's a thousand ways to say no. How can we say that in our community language? The, the language that we use in our community. So it, it goes far reaching. And I'm really, really happy to say I have a friend and her son and, um, daughter-in-law, uh, went to medical school and I end up interesting them into becoming, uh, psychiatrists and psychologists, one psychiatrist, one and psychologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need more. We need more. We need more. I cannot say enough. We need more people from our community going into those areas of health care.
0: Yeah, we're running down on time. So uh, w- w- where's a place that people can go to find out more about this uh, thing about the mental health you know, issues? Because we have a lot of veterans who need to come forward and they're, you know, afraid or to talk and, We
1: need our veterans to just reach out to the VA. There's also the uh, 1-800 number Mm -hmm. if they are contemplating self-harm. I always tell my patients, let's not make a haste decision. Let's sleep. Let's talk about it. Reach Mm -hmm. out to Mm -hmm. somebody that you, there's somebody out there who will talk to you. And there is a lot. The VA, our emergency room is open 24-7. We have walk-in clinics. Please, please, please come in if you're feeling challenged uh, in any aspect of your life.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Adelina. Uh, I'm telling you, America's Heroes Group Roundtable would not be uh, the same without that partner and sponsor, uh, National Nurses United. You are uh, fantastic, Adelina uh, Marshall. You take care of our veterans, you take care of their spiritual needs as well as their mental health needs and their physical needs. And we need more nurses like you yes, that we look do. like you yes, because- <laughs> out here in this field. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit AmericasHG.org.